preparing a quick end of the week recording. Welcome to Hunt of Pod. something and 62 oh. i think wow what did i put in that 463 453 just as i said yes uh of hand i'm sam kelly and i'm joined by english dan hello and uh, this is going to be a very relaxed recording it's early friday evening practically still friday afternoon really by argentine standards uh, because dan's got somewhere to be a bit later and it's so early that i didn't even ask anybody else whether they can get involved <laughs> Uh, and it's also going to be a relaxed recording because I've seen none of the matches that I'm about to read out the scores to. So uh, Dan's going to be telling me as well as you what was going on. I'm going to try. In any case, you know, the, a lot of these games happened a week ago or more. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to rack my memory. But um, hopefully we're going to be able to just, you know, this episode's just to keep things ticking over so that we're not going into next week having not recorded for two weeks running. Plus I think something else kind of big happened this week, right? Concerning someone Argentine? Yes. That yeah, yeah. might be newsworthy, might uh, be worth a comment. Probably will be up for discussion, yes. Um, but first of all, the results of the Liga Profesional round 19 were as follows. Sarmiento nil, Newells nil. That, if I remember correctly, was confirmed moments after we ended recording last week. I seem to remember that was about to yes. uh, happen when I did these predictions last We were week. definitely watching it sort of as... We were recording. Arsenal 1, Boca 0. Estudiantes 5, Barracas Central 2. Tigre 1, Tacheres 3. Argentinos 1, Platense 0. Belgrano 2, Vélez Sarsfield 0. Rosario Central 4, Instituto de Córdoba 1. Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero 2, Huracán 0. Racing 2, Banfield 0, Union 2, Gimnasia 0, San Lorenzo 0, Colón 0, Godoy Cruz 2, Independiente 1, and Lanús 2, Atlético Tucumán 1. Um, you might, if you were listening particularly carefully, and if you don't, haven't heard the news already, uh, be wondering why I didn't mention River and Defensa y Justicia. That match was called off uh, about half an hour in I think 26 minutes minutes, I've got here Um, after somebody a fan a river fan fell from one of the stands and was killed Um, it was called off at nil nil there is still talks about what's going to happen the standard Argentine procedure I think is going to be to play the remaining 64 minutes or so Mm. uh, at some point yeah two half an hour half something like that yeah um and obviously our thoughts are with the family and, and friends of the fan uh, who, who lost his life. Which, as far as we know, just a tragic accident, right? Yeah. It, no foul play, no the club's, stadium defects, just the club's really unfortunate. The club's statement was uh, kind of ambiguous and seemed to 
imply, I did ask my girlfriend about this, and because she's a translator and a native Spanish speaker, uh, and she said that it was it was ambiguous anyway, but it seemed to sort of heavily hint that he'd thrown himself off the top of the stand. Um, there were, from what I heard, I didn't read too much detail about it because it depressed me a bit, but from what I heard there were kind of conflicting reports about the fans who'd been standing nearby and seen it happen mm. as to whether he'd thrown himself or whether he'd slipped. Uh, his daughter is adamant that he wouldn't have done that. His brother is adamant that he wouldn't have done that. Obviously, saying, oh, I'm so surprised that he wouldn't have done that is something that often happens after people um, die from suicide. So that's not necessarily a guide. Um, but at the moment, it's all up in the air. It's being investigated. Um, River were allowed to reopen. It was the Silvori, I think, wasn't Silvori it? Alta, um, right? They were allowed to reopen the stand for the match in the Copa Libertadores on Wednesday, Wednesday against Fluminense, which we will talk about later. Um, but yeah, for now, that's what we're going to say about River defending Ulticio because that's all there is to say, um, and it certainly put a damper on the weekend. Mm. But this is Argentina. It's football. It must go on. Yes. So, did anything stop apart from that one match? Did it hell? And we continue. Um, moving on, the title race, obviously it feels a little bit crass to discuss it in that light, but uh, with River not having picked up any points at the weekend, Tacheres uh, have leapfrogged San Lorenzo, mm. because they, as I said, beat Tigre 3-1, while San Lorenzo were held to a 0-0 draw with Colón. So Tacheres are now on 37 points, San Lorenzo on 36, and Estudiantes, who beat Barracas Central, have 35 in fourth place. Um, did you see any of those, Dan? Estudiantes, I think you were saying, scored some pretty nice goals against Barracas. Yes, unfortunately I didn't see them, but I saw a couple of the highlights, and the first three at least were absolute stonkers from Rojaiser, Rodriguez and... Jose Sosa still doing the business. Mm. Quite incredible. Uh, and they were actually training in that match before going, uh, going back, coming back and scoring four unanswered goals. Um, Jose Sosa turns 38 in 10 days' time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I actually did have to look up whether it was the same one. <laughs> I not whether it was a younger one. No, it absolutely is. Still, um, still doing it. I remember seeing him put a free kick in against Racing in... Kilmes' stadium. Mm. That was an away game for Racing. It would have been 2010, I think. So, yeah. 13 years ago. And he's still... Uh, and he wasn't a spring chicken then. He was like a established player. I think he'd already yeah, had 24. a... I think he'd already had a, uh, a stint in Europe. Um, so, Christ, yeah. <laughs> really, really doing the Estudiantes thing of just never retiring. Mm. I don't think he's even the oldest player in that team, is he? Probably not. No, because Andujar is 39. Yeah. I mean, he's the goalkeeper, yes. but, you know, still. And he was also playing, I think, in that game against Racing in Kilmes' stadium. Yes, he probably was, wasn't he, yeah. Um, and Bosselli, 38 as well. I was well. going to say, Mauro Bosselli looks likely to be... So, Jose yeah. Sosa, only Estudiantes, third oldest starter at 37. Yeah. Blimey. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Tacheres beat Tigre, 3-1 away. With two very late goals, I've just noticed. Uh, it was 1-1 at half-time. And Nahuel Bustos made it 2-1 in the 86th minute and then 3-1 in the 95th minute. Um, so two could be 
crucial goals for Tacheres later in the season after an impressive last year as well. The year before. Sorry, yes, I was going to was about to correct myself and I thought, no, mm. go with your gut, Sam. Have some faith in yourself. And it was indeed two years ago, wasn't it? It was an almost identical layout at the top because it was River who always just had that head advantage, but Tacheres kind of on him, on him, on him mm. in 2021 and then River in the end kind of pulled away and, and won it fairly comfortably, if I remember. But they're up there, like, you know, every every other year, Tacheres seem to have a very, very good season. Mm. Indeed, yeah. Um, and San Lorenzo missing another chance, like, you know. Not that this was a chance, obviously, Rivers will be played and it was a tragedy, but they had dropped points recently in the league and San Lorenzo hadn't taken advantage. And they couldn't do another nil-nil for San Lorenzo. I don't know how many that makes in the season, but I will tell you very, very quickly. It was their second in a row. Oh, no, sorry. It was the first of two in a row because they drew mm. nil-nil with Palestino um, a few nights later in the Copa Sierra yes. Only count in league games. One, two, three, four, five. Five nil-nil wins. Yeah. Uh, nil-nil wins. Nil-nil draws <laughs> they, in uh, they, they 19 games. They, they, they aim for it. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's not ideal. Uh, if they could just score a few more goals, they'd probably be... Top. Yeah, just looking at the numbers from, obviously, as we always say, stats don't tell you everything, uh, but I'm pretty sure they might have a better chance of scoring more goals if they got more shots on target. Um, you think, yeah. I mean, they don't concede goals either, which is to their credit, but, no, but just 12, don't score them. shots either. with only two on target is at home. Yeah. It's not good going. No, no, no. Um, so, yeah, that's that was that. Um, down at the bottom of the table... It's getting interesting. Again, the relegation battle is taking shape and this is actually relevant this year mm. to just look at what the league table looks like at the moment. Arsenal have 17 points. Union um, have a game in hand for reasons sort of... Oh, they had that match. The stadium collapse. Yes, due yes. to the stadium. <laughs> um, have 18 points as do Banfield and Huracan and and Vélez Sarsfield. Yes. Um, so to say that it is tight... Yes. would be an understatement. All of those six teams, as it stands today, are tied for the last relegation spot because obviously Arsenal mm. are bottom, but are also bottom or second to bottom in the Promedios yeah. table. So it would be the second, the penultimate team in the annual table, which is, as it stands, obviously, well, the, the long, long way to go. The third from bottom, because it's the bottom two in the annual table plus the bottom one in the Promedios who go down. Yeah, but I'm saying the, the penultimate team in the annual table would yeah. be the one that goes down, not the third bottom team in Promedios. If Arsenal thought, are in but both. I thought it was only one team from the Promedios and two from the annual table as it stands. No, the other way around. Ah, right. Okay. Two Promedios, one annual. Okay. Yes. Um, obviously a long way to go, but those six um, are not looking very good. Um, well, Union, as we said right before we started recording, though, have now won three games in a row. Incredible, after f- winning what? One no of way. their first 15. They won no matches between... They beat Estudiantes 2-0 on the 3rd of March. And then they drew, lost, mm. lost, 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 drew, lost, drew, lost and lost. And then on the 19th of May, so two and a half months later, um, they beat Central Cordoba 1-0 away. Then they beat Huracan, 1-0 away. 
And now they've beaten Gimnasia 2-0 at home. So not only are they scoring multiple goals all of a sudden, uh, but they're also winning matches mm. out of nowhere. So they, they're they on, uh, what did we just say, 18 points and have a game in hand over the rest. But of those 18 points that they've got, nine of them have been picked up in the last three matches. Um, so maybe they're not useless anymore, somehow, for, for some reason. <laughs> I mean, they're not great. Um, that's clear enough. But you all know what it's like at the bottom of this table. You know, you win three games in a row and you're likely to shoot right up, even if you've gone two and a half months before without winning. Yeah, they've got, in the, the next three games, the first Newells, who are uh, up in 11th, at the lofty heights of 11th in the table. But not doing a whole lot either. No, but then after that, they're playing Independiente and Atletico Tucumán back-to-back, <laughs> so two of those other teams who are tied on 18 points. So, we can actually, and we can actually use the phrase relegation six-pointer, yes, not a relegation 0.6-pointer. Yeah. This is a whole new world. Very exciting. It, it's uh, heady days for yeah. uh, those of us who've always wanted to see a proper relegation. We don't need a calculator to, to see what this means. No. Brilliant. It's fantastic stuff. Um, so, yeah, good luck to Union there. Obviously, we do have a, an occasional panellist who's an Union fan, so we're not entirely unbiased in this. Uh, and I'm sure Dan would like to see Independiente go down again. Not that we really expect that to happen, do we? Or do I'd be very shocked, very, very shocked. But um, I don't know if there's some handy teams down there as well. Uragan were very good last year. Banfield are always there or thereabouts, like steady. Atletico Tucumán had a good season last year. Vélez are Vélez, albeit without a coach. Speaking no? of Vélez, yeah, Ricardo Garreca has left after only 12 matches in charge. Um, what can you tell us about that, Dan? Because I've only seen the headlines. Uh, this has very much been a low effort week for me, <laughs> for which I apologise. Um, the feeling I get is just, he was pissed off with it all, he was pissed off with his team, with the fans, with the situation, and just didn't want to know anything about it. Hmm. Although apparently he's not going to be disemployed, unemployed, disemployed? Oh dear. Unemployed for very long, because um, he is on the way to America of Mexico, apparently. Oh, wow. That's the word on the street, anyway. Big money move. And Villas are... Wow. Um, you know, they went back mm. to get Gareca, which, as we know, always works, bringing a formerly successful coach. Yeah. So, apparently, they're ready to really, really double down and go for Bianchi. Good grief. Who was, of course, uh, the most successful... Coach in history, won uh, the Libertadores in 94 and the Intercontinental Cup against the great 90s Milan side that same year. Um, but hasn't coached for a, almost a, 10 years. I have a vague idea that he, might, he, he was briefly manager of Boca again, wasn't he? Quite early in our history as a podcast and at that point he hadn't coached. No, he had years. another spell after that as well in right. the early Marcelo Gallardo state. Era. Oh, well remembered. Yeah, 2015, yeah. 2014, around mm. then. I think 2015. Yeah. Kind of between Arrua Barrena and Barros y Quiloto, kind of on that long, long list of yeah. Boca coaches slain by, by Gachardo. Um, yeah, that would be an eye opener. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I don't really know why they do that, but. 
because they're completely out of ideas and know that at least bringing back another idol would keep the fans off their back for a little while longer. Hmm. Um, speaking of Boca, as you just mentioned them in passing, I hear they were quite bad against Arsenal. They were absolutely shocking, yes. Um, not helped by, I don't know if it's controversial, but a sort of 50-50 um, red card call in the first half after after falling behind 1-0 to Arsenal. And it was El Chilo Wayant. It was one of these, you know, when the defender goes up with his, um, with his boot to, uh, to get kind of a middling high ball. The defender bends down with his head hmm. and the twain make, co- make contact in quite an unpleasant way. Right. Uh, I don't think there was much intention on it, but I think I get the feeling kind of the orthodoxy at the moment, you know, at this time in football is to punish the, the boot brandisher mm-hmm. in, uh, in these situations. And that is indeed what happened. Oh, it was just after halftime. Sorry, not just before halftime. Um... But even without uh, Weigand, I don't think it would have made a huge amount of difference because Boca, they, they sort of got bockered. Um, Arsenal did very little to merit the win either. Kind of got the early goal um, and then just held on Boca with all of the ball. Very few clear-cut chances anyway. Um, and it's a game that also marked the end of an era, I hope, because it... Should be Sebastian Vicha's last ever game in a Boca shirt and hopefully in any level of Argentine professional football. Yes, although we'll have to wait and see when that actually does transpire. He has been convicted uh, convicted and sentenced to two years and ten months suspended sentence, right? Is that? Yes, because under Argentine law, a any prison sentence under three years uh, duration is... Suspended, mm. but with conditions, you know, against rear offence and and some other conditions which I'm not apprised of at the moment. And if he breaks them, it can be made effective. Let's say. And I mean, the implication of what you just said is that we're not expecting him to start against or indeed to feature against Lanús at the weekend. No, he didn't play midweek in the Libertadores, uh-huh. so I assume that's the end of the. Um, of the uh, Visha story. Have the club um, made any statements or anything? Not know? that I've seen, no. Um, he's been cleared to go to Colombia now. Right. By Boca, which kind of shows what they what they think of him. Mm. Apparently, he does have an, an offer on the table, which they would bite the hand of any club silly enough to do that, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, the offer is... of. I will give you three guesses. Who, Which country would possibly look the other way, or what region, um, to domestic violence and uh, kind of gender-related abuse. I'm, I'm not going to get into any, uh, <laughs> anything that might uh, have us done for stereotyping my countries or regions down there. doesn't no. have to tell me. Oh, well, apparently a club from the United Arab Emirates uh-huh. would be willing to uh, to take a chance on Sebastian Vich. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a... 200 million euro a year offer from Saudi Arabia. Well, I don't think so. Quite a big enough <laughs> not start quite, to, not quite. to get one of those on the table yet. Mm. Um, okay, well, anyway, as, yeah, hopefully we don't see him 
full pocket. I mean, you know, ideally, he wouldn't be playing football anymore. But uh, he shouldn't have been for for a year or now, right? Or a year and yeah, a half. Indeed, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the way the modern world works, is it? Um, <laughs> Did we have any Copa Argentina games? There was sure one, we yes. Argentina. We have had one, haven't we? Because there was a score that did pop up at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Instituto versus Deportivo Riestra. And Vélez versus Deportivo Español. And Tacheres versus Chacarita Juniors. Those are the played. Uh, just this week, in fact, Tacheres got a 2-0 win over Chaca. Vélez got a 5-1 win over Deportivo Español. Um, they were... Was that Ricardo Garrica's last match in charge? It wasn't, was it? He'd already gone by then. Yeah, so, so score. I reckon he was in charge for that match, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't, because mm. this was two days ago. Yes. Um, and Instituto beat Deportivo Riestra 2-1, uh, with two goals from Adrián Martínez. So, unfortunately... No upsets to tell you about. No. The, the Liga Profesional side's got through. But we are almost at the end of the last 64. Yeah. Incredibly. The last game. We have a game next Wednesday between Aldo Civi, San Martín and San Juan. Um, then the following Monday. Oh, hang on. Yeah, sorry. We do. This is all Banfield take on Argentino... De Merlo. De Merlo. Yeah, I was leaning towards Mendoza, but I think it's Merlo. And then on the 27th of June, Godoy Cruz and Defensores Unidos of Zarate play the final match of the last 64 to close this round out almost five months and three days after it started. Ridiculous. Five months and three days to play 32 games. When you can play the Liga Profesional, that's... 14 every weekend. Mm. (laughs) So yes, we made it, baby. Now we just have to find out how long the last 32 will take. Well, it's going to be well into 2024 by the time that's over. I mean, it's going to have to be, right? I can't see any way around it. If they finish it by the time I get back from Europe in early November, I'll be astonished. Mm. Um, But yeah, those are the Copa results so far. Um, I think we're going to take a half-time break now. It's going to be a very short episode, this, unless we have a very long second half talking about Libertadores and, um, you know, that free transfer uh, that happened. Mm. Wait and see. Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana group stages yes this week uh, I mean I wasn't doubtful whether Sudamericana matches have been played but just checking that we were at the same stage of it as the Libertadores um, so we may as well go through some of the Argentine results there well, we um, have three Argentine qualifiers already yes we with do with time yeah. to spare we have one Argentine club who very much have not qualified and that is Patronato 
who started off still in with a shout of a possibly with a, in with a shout uh, but a combination of no in fact they weren't in with a shout of Libertadores qualification but they were in third place in the group so Sudamericana qualification um, which they were battling for with Melgar uh, Melgar uh, won 5-0 <laughs> uh, with four of those goals coming in the first half and three of them coming in the first quarter of the match um, so Patronato very much out of the running there well not out of the running but very much not in third place anymore um, Melgar have four points and Patronato three with a game to play um, and they're both away and they're both away too obviously teams who are going to be expecting to win at home against those yes. two teams so we'll have to see what happens Olympia have qualified from that group with 11 points and Atletico Nacional have 10 so the group winning spot for that is up for grabs mm-hmm. as well as third place Unfortunately for Patronato, because both Atletico Nacional and Olimpia will be gunning. They're not going to be uh, taking it easy. No, indeed. Patronato's match is going to be against Atletico Nacional in Colombia, as Dal already said. Um, Atletico Nacional is kind of the shorthand for that. I've never been entirely clear. Because it's kind of too generic. If I remember from when they reached the Libertadores final, I think Carl Warswick was calling them Nacional. Okay. Uh, but I might have that wrong. It was some time ago. Uh, Boca got a 1-0 win over Colo Colo with a goal from Marcelo Weigand, who, of course, had been sent off a few days before in mm. the league. Cracking um, goal as well. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. One. Half volley on, from the edge of the area, if I yeah. remember rightly. Very nice. Um, and it was, by all accounts, a deserved win as well. I only caught the highlights, but... Yes, absolutely. Um, Boca kind of dictated the tempo, had some very good chances. And yet, they uh, could have let it slip right at the end. Uh, Colo Colo had a fantastic chance, which was very well saved by Sergio Romero, hmm. which would have really put a sparrow in the works at one all there for, for Boca, but they got through it. Not unscathed, they lost Luca Langoni to injury, which added to the aforementioned Visha incident will leave them a little bit uh, strapped up front. Yeah. But then again, they've got the winter now transfers, and I'm sure they'll, they're they going to try and bring someone in. Cavani has already been, been bandied around as he is every is. single season. But we'll see if this time, you know, uh, stop clock and all that. Indeed. Um, with that result, Boca have gone to 10 points. Deportivo Pereira have 7. Monagas have 5. And Colo Colo have Five. Monagas are ahead on goal difference, minus one to mm. minus two. Boca's goal difference is plus three, and Pereira's uh, is zero. Um, Boca, I just checked, are at home to Monagas in their mm. last match. So a draw will be enough to totally secure first place. But even if they lose by a goal, then they could still win the group if, if Deportivo Pereira don't beat Colo Colo by a couple. Um Next down for the Argentine side is Argentinos Juniors, who beat Liverpool of Uruguay. Uh, they had to come from behind to do so. Mm. Ruben Bentancourt, I don't know whether he's any he's relation. He's not. But probably not. It's a reasonably common surname. In it Uruguay. seems to be, among Uruguayan footballers at least. Yeah. Uh, he opened the scoring from the spot after 50 minutes. Leonardo Heredia equalised for Argentinos in the 61st minute. And that's Lucas... definitely not because that's Bentancourt and the uh, other players Bentancourt. Yeah, yeah. Without an O and without a T. Yeah. Unless their parents just don't know how to spell. Like, and just make it up as they go along. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, but that lengthy shower of gold put them two points clear at the top. Um, so they still actually have an inferior gold difference to Independiente del Valle, but they've, they've won three and drawn two, or Independiente have won three and lost two. Um, Corinthians, I shouldn't laugh. I think we should. But, you know, <laughs> of, of all of the big clubs on the continent, I, I, Corinthians kind of put me in mind of Juventus or something, like just the, the one that absolutely everybody for regardless of what country you're in, just seems to loathe. Um, probably because they're the most supported club in the biggest country in the continent. Yes, well, right? absolutely. Obviously, that's not true of Juventus, but um, yeah, Corinthians are in third, and more to the point, have four points. So they are out already. Argentinos and Independiente del Valle are the two qualifiers from Rupi. Uh, Liverpool also have four points. Uh, Corinthians goal difference is minus two Liverpool's is minus five so it seems unlikely unfortunately that Corinthians are going to be out of continental competition altogether unless they lose to Liverpool at home in the last game which would be absolutely hilarious yes I was just going to look up who was playing who in the last round Uh, so that's a possibility then and Argentinos are away or at home to independent away so that will be a shootout for first place Difficult, but I'm sure even if they lose that, Argentinos will be absolutely ecstatic about this campaign. They've done brilliantly in a very difficult group, must be said. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think they were with Independiente and Corinthians, you know, maybe a bit less so mm. uh, Liverpool. But yeah, we, we probably would have been thinking they were favourites for Sudamericana qualification when yes. that draw was made. Um, River got had to beat Fluminense. And did. Just about did. It got fairly hairy. Well, I mean, they were 1-0 up early in the second half. But then there was a terrible clangor from Marmani again, which yeah, oh yeah, just about didn't turn into the equaliser. Mm, yeah. And that could have put a whole... That could have been devastating for, uh, for River, particularly considering that the strongest were playing later that night at home to Cristal. Indeed, yeah. Uh, Ezequiel Barco got a penalty... Uh, very late on, uh, seven minutes into stoppage time, he scored it to make it 2-0 to the River. And as Dan says, the strongest, well, we're not going to talk about too many of the non-Argentine involving matches, but the strongest hosted Sporting Cristal late that evening and, somewhat surprisingly, lost. After leading as well. Indeed, yeah. They were um, leading after about five minutes. They were 1-0 up and it ended up being 2-1 to Sporting Cristal, which means that the standings in Group D with one match to go... Uh, Fluminense 9 points River 7 points and a goal difference of minus 2 Sporting Cristal 7 points and a goal difference of minus 2 uh, but fewer goals scored because mm-hmm. River have scored 9 and Sporting Cristal have scored 7 and therefore River are currently 2nd and the strongest with 6 points so River's last match is at home to the strongest uh, if River win that then they should qualify, but obviously if Sporting Cristal beat Fluminense by three goals or more, more than River beat the strongest, um, Sporting Cristal could leapfrog them. But, I mean... And if that's the only group where all four teams are still playing for, for qualification and going into this final round. Oh, yes, because if Sporting Cristal were to beat Fluminense mm-hmm. and Riva were to beat the strongest, then it would be Riva and Sporting Cristal going through. Or if Fluminense. the strongest beat River or... Yeah. And Fluminense finishing third. Yep. The strongest were to beat River and Sporting Cristal beat Fluminense. 
then, oh uh, yeah, of course, yeah, because the Fluminense's goal difference have been coming down. They'd have to get thrashed in that yeah, case, yeah. But, but it's plausible. It's, yeah, it's mathematically possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, given uh, Rivers, especially Rivers' recent history of playing Bolivian teams in the Monumental, they're going to be fairly confident about getting the job done there. There is still a job to do. They're not completely over the line just yet. Quite impressive to score nine goals in five games and still have a negative goal difference. Yeah. That uh, thrashing in the, the Maracana was... That'll do it, yeah. ...everything for it, wasn't it? Um, and the other Argentine-involving match is, of course, Flamengo versus Racing. Last yes. night, in speaking of the Maracana, the Maracana, um, Wesley Franzen and Victor Hugo, the literarily named midfielder, I think he is, isn't he? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, scored the goals for Flamengo inside of a goal from Matias Rojas, inevitably, for Racing, who after the match, uh, I asked Dan about this just before we started recording about what the quote was, because I saw it on my way uh, onto the subject to come here today, uh, seems to have complained that he can't spend all of his time paying for the crockery his teammates are smashing. Um, burning some bridges before he leaves the club next month, Dan? I guess so, yeah. I mean, he's only just come back from a month injured, so... It's not... And there were a lot, there was a lot of broken crockery there. And very little uh, paying for it um, mm. while he was up. Uh, yeah, I think he was basically just coming clean and saying, look, I'm going at the end of the month. I don't want to get injured before running around for this team. Just particularly, I guess, since they're already qualified for the next round of the Libertadores. Um, yeah, good luck to him. Where's he going? Corinthians. Oh! <laughs> ah. So, a bit of a step down, but I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Um, um, it was a bit of a shame, actually, that game. Um, firstly, because Racing lost, obviously, although they still have a very good chance of winning mm. Group A, which would have been very surprising um, at the start of the year, I think, over the reigning champions of the Libertadores. But it was a disappointment because it robbed us of what would have been the fourth consecutive one-on draw between Flamingo and Racing. Oh, wow. Because uh, they drew the lot. The last one won away in Avicennia, mm. and the two games they played in the 2020 quarterfinals also finished one of them. Ah, uh, they did, didn't they? Yep. So, Flamengo obviously not respecting symmetry there. Or tradition. Or tradition, yes. Whichever way you want to look at it. But, I should say, I don't think we mentioned it, well, we mentioned the result, but I, sh I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Racing did actually win a game uh, of they this did. week, and in... The Liga Profesional, no less, cutting a eight-game winless streak, I think, with victory against Banfield. So, mm. yeah, sorry, yeah, I didn't give you a chance to talk about that in the first half. Not a whole lot to say. Um, only that, you know, broken dishes. Rojas missed a penalty in that game. So, oh well, who's who was responsible for cracking the crockery in that case, Matthias? Yeah, that's at least a glass slipping out of his hand while he does the washing up, isn't it? It was a crap penalty as well. But um, at least a little bit of a return to form, I think, for Racing, albeit against Banfield to have been absolutely terrible. Well, a little yeah. bit nervy, and but we'll see how they build on that. And Gago a bit of a reprieve, maybe, for a week or two? Yeah, I think, you know, getting qualification for the last 16 is, is kind of secure this position for, for at least until the Octavos, which will be, what, July, August they play on? Uh, There's a bit of a break after the group stage, so, right? Yeah. 
It's another one that feels like it's been going on forever, this Libertadores. I've mentioned it before. I miss the whole the six month sprint we used to have at the start of the year. Yeah. I can't I, get used to this year long like thing. Anyone, to be honest, but, um, it does drag on a bit though. Anyway. Yeah. Um, the standings in Group A then are Racing 10 points, Flamengo 8, Nublense 5, and Outcast 4. So, as Dan said, Racing have a very good chance of winning the group. They have a home match against Nublense to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they should get the point that they need. Oh, no, it would be three points, wouldn't it? Because if Flamengo won by enough, then. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Should be uh, done and dusted. Uh, they won the first match away to New Blends, if I remember rightly, the first match of the campaign. Yes, with uh, Rojas 16 oh, yeah, metre ridiculous yeah. strike, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, that's the Libertadores. There has been some transfer market news already, even though the transfer market's not open yet. You don't want to talk about Sudamericana? Oh, we should do Sudamericana as well, shouldn't we? That's a thing that exists. <laughs> Just about, yeah. But. Um, in uh, South American football. So the results in the Sudamericana that involve Argentine clubs, thank you for the reminder, were that Defensa y Justicia got a 3-0 win away to Peñarol, which puts them top of Group F and indeed qualifies them for the second round. Uh, they're on 12 points. Millonarios of Colombia have 10. And America, um, Mineiro, about to say Atletico mm. Mineiro um, of Brazil have seven points and Peñarol are on none after five matches how the mighty have fallen they have been terrible one quick correction Sam yeah. they need a draw in that last game against Missionarios oh because it's only the top team to be in the sort of Americana proper because the second place team goes into this hybrid rounds to play the third place teams in the Libertadores for a place in the last 16 proper yeah thank you for the uh, reminder that is alright it's Um, new this year so I will forgive you for no they did it last year as well didn't they no I'm sure they did no it was just the top teams that went through last year oh I'm going to get mixed up with the Europa League and the Champions League which is in my defence last year it was the eight top Sudamericana teams and the eight third place Libertadores teams that went to the last 16 yeah Um, this this one's better I think of, of the two yeah, it, you're gonna have fewer dead matches. Although in, in the case, of I mean, it's always harsh to just have the the top team going through. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Tigre beat Academia Puerto Cabello two uh, one, but we're actually two 0 up until very deep into stoppage time when Danny Perez scored a penalty uh, that puts Tigre second in Group D. Um, in fact, it all but assures them of second place. Puerto Cabello have no points, Tolima have five, and Tigre have ten, so Tigre are guaranteed to be involved in the Sudamericana still for a bit. Uh, Sao Paulo have 13 points, um, so three points clear, and quite a difference in goal difference as well, uh, because Tigre have scored seven and conceded four, and Sao Paulo have scored 11 and conceded no goals at all. Um, so, Sao Paulo versus Tigre on the last day of that group is technically <laughs> a decider for the first yeah. place in, in that group. But in reality, um, Sao Paulo have already won it. You think so, yeah. I mean, Tigre would need to win by five goals to get through. Yes, I think that would do the trick, wouldn't yes. it? So, I'll put them on plus eight and Sao Paulo would be... Oh, no, maybe it would just be by four then. 
Tigre have got three, so four more will give them seven and would drop Sao Paulo's two. Seven. Seven, but they'd have, and Tigre would have the goal score advantage in that case. No, they'd be identical. If it was 4 0, they would, wouldn't they? Yes. Oh, yeah, or in fact, if it was 5 yeah. 1, then it would still keep going. go to a coin yeah, toss. So you're right, yeah, so it would have to be, have to be five or more Ooh. for Tigre. We'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll it could happen. Uh, but surely the Brazilian police will get involved, do their job. Oh, yeah, them, oh, sure. If it game, looks any way competitive. And um, yeah, uh, Newell's also got a win. They got exactly what Tigre are going to be looking for. Well, they didn't get a 5 0 win um, in Brazil, but they got a win in Brazil. Juan Sforza in stoppage time at the first half. Marcos Portillo deep, deep, deep in stoppage time at the end of the second half. Uh, either side of a Marcos Leonardo penalty in the 80th minute mean that they beat Santos 2 1. Uh, to secure top spot in Group B. 15 points out of 15 disputed. Indeed, yes. I think they're the only team in either competition to manage that this year. Incredible. Uh, especially considering that they've done all this while not being very good at all. <laughs> yes, quite. I mean, you know, Racing in the, cinema, in the Libertadores have similarly secured top spot. They haven't won all five matches by uh, while doing so. Aldax Italiano are in second with 10 points, and they're going to finish second in, with 10 points because Santos... Have finished, yep, yeah, are going to finish third. They've got four points. And Blooming in Bolivia have no points at all. The Antonios. If there is one match in either of these competitions with nothing at all riding on it with one match to go, it is Group E of the Sudamericana. Every position is already known with a game to go. Um, Estudiantes played Bragantino and drew 1 1. Um, they conceded to an Eric Ramirez. Goal in the at the end of the first half, and Benjamin Rolheiser, who we mentioned earlier, scored a penalty in the second half to level things up for them. Just just looking at the numbers, usual caveat applies. Um, it would appear to be an entirely deserved victory for Estudiantes, even though they had to come from behind to get it. Um, top two in that group are locked in as Bragantino and Estudiantes, both on eleven points. And not a million miles apart in goal difference. Bragantino have scored 14 and let in 2 for a goal difference of plus 12. Estudiantes have scored 10 and let in 1 for a goal difference of plus 9. Um, so we'll have to see how the second, how the remaining matches there go. Taquari have 6 points and Oriente Petrolero, or I don't know why I said that in Portuguese, Oriente Petrolero um, have no points. And the remaining fixtures are uh, Bragantino versus Taquari. And therefore, obviously, Oriente Petrolero against Estudiantes. That one's going to be in La Plata. So that's four teams in the Sudamericana who have not managed to pick up a single point from mm. their five games. Yeah. Can we say the Sudamericana needs to probably be cut down a little bit? Possibly. I mean... <laughs> it I feels like there's I, been I, a few mismatches. I like though. the inclusiveness of the Sudamericana, but, um, you know, we, we have always said that by by the nature of the fact that there are so few clubs in the in the mm. sorry so few countries in the continent, and therefore you're having to let in loads of teams from each country to make up the same kind of numbers, it gets quite crap towards the bottom end. Yes, I feel and like you wouldn't I, I, lose I, I, match if you just made all eight groups three met three teams. I've not really mm. been a big fan of the group stage generally for the Sudamericana. No. I, I I think if they wanted to give everybody a few guaranteed more matches, and they could make the first couple of rounds double elimination, maybe. But still yeah. have it have it knockout, but just if you win, then you move to the second round, and if you lose your first round match, then you play against one of the other first round losers for a place in the second round. Yeah, it's a little bit complicated until you've 
watched one tournament that does it and I think it's you know, <laughs> fairly easy to follow um, and it guarantees that every you know that the clubs entering it will definitely have at least two home Ooh. matches you know to host um, which is only one fewer than with the group stage and I just uh, yeah it feels to me like it would be a bit more of an intuitive uh, a better format for this particular competition but you know that's just me um, Gimnasia got a nil-nil draw away to Goiás. Um, I'm not going to pronounce that one in a comedy Portuguese or Brazilian accent because I'm not quite sure how it would be. Goiás. Okay, I'll try to say it in a comedy <laughs> Brazilian accent. Gimnasia uh, have four points. Santa Fe and Universitario both have seven. And Goiás have nine. So Gimnasia aren't quite out of it yet. They could, in theory, qualify, I think. They've got to play Universitario still. So if they're going to win away to Universitario, and if it's a two-goal or more win, because they need to swing the goal difference as well, mm-hmm. and Goyash beat Santa Fe, uh, then Gimnasia could sneak second place. But it's going to be skin of their teeth stuff if they do get there. Um, the Every time I go back onto all the scores, it pops me down to next week's matches, which is why I keep going... Um, mm, San Lorenzo is the only one... We haven't mentioned that. No, it's not. Huracan. Huracan are also an Argentine football club involved in the Sudamericana. Oh, I thought, yeah, sorry. And they lost 1-0 to to Danubio and also are not quite out yet. In fact, they mathematically could still finish top and in fact have a better goal difference than the team who currently are top. This is quite strange. Guarani are on eight points, have scored seven and conceded seven. They're top of the group. (laughs) I don't know how that happens. Uh, I really don't because I've not been paying any attention to this in very calm. Danubio have seven points, have scored five and conceded five. So both of the top two have goal differences of zero. Emelec have six points, five, four, six against, goal difference of minus one. And Orican are bottom of the table with five points and are the only team who have got a positive goal difference because they've scored seven and conceded six. Four of those came against Warani. In their only victory of the round. So that's, that will go a long way to explain it. Um, so, I mean, that's just a very strange... They are away to Guarani in the last group stage game. And if they if they win um, and Danubio versus Emelec finishes in a draw, then Huracan will be top of the group. Mm-hmm. In spite of the fact they're going into it, bottom of the group. I mean, if you want a tightly, tightly poised one, then that's the one <laughs> to watch. Um, I've probably forgotten this by the time they get around to playing those matches in like five months' time. No, it's not. It's in a couple of weeks. Um, but if I remember, then I'm going to have to try to sit down and double screen those, I think, because that, that <laughs> could get hairy. And San Lorenzo versus Palestino finished at nil nil. Obviously, it's just the default score, um, in spite of San Lorenzo dominating. And as a result of it, San Lorenzo are almost, almost, almost out but I don't think quite out just yet. Fortaleza have 12 points, Palestino have 8, San Lorenzo have 5, and Estudiantes de Merida have 3. So San Lorenzo's goal difference is minus 2, Palestino's is plus 1, and San Lorenzo's remaining match is against Estudiantes de Merida. So they need to thrash them, which, let's face it, is unlikely. isn't going to happen. Uh, and hope that Palestino lose to Fortaleza. Stranger things have happened. But, uh, oh, actually, I guess they could get a, like a one-nil win, which would put them to minus one. Yeah. And if Fortaleza beat Palestino by a couple of goals, that puts them down to yeah, 
So could could happen, but we'll see. Um, and now we actually can move on from the continental action, and we can talk about uh, you know like good content creators. We've kept you going now for the thing that you actually tuned in for and wanted us to talk about. Absolutely. And that is uh, Lionel Messi's move from the uh, European giants, Paris Saint-Germain, um, to, I mean, we really can't say giants with any sort of straight face, um, but to, to, is it Inter Miami? Do we have to call them Internacional? Is Miami technically the name, you know? Is it past the name or are we going to get football stops going, oh, actually, it's just... Inter Miami or Inter de Miami? Yeah. I, mean, I think Inter Miami is fine. Indeed. Yeah. It, it's going to be Inter Messi anyway. They're going to... Inter, re- yeah. My understanding is, is that they've agreed to rename the club after him as part of the contract deal, right? I think so, yes. Along with also giving about half of the league's um, merchandising rights to him and selling him or gifting him several stadiums on his retirement and all the rest of it. There's some kind of package deal. I think so, yeah. Um, most of Miami Beach, I think, is now Messi Beach. Yes. Um, only to be used by the Messi clan, of which there are many. They will fill it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, Messi. MLSI. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well done. Um, it has been uh, touted as, I've seen it at least in some places, a move that nobody saw coming. But I think that that's largely been nobody who doesn't pay any attention to at least the Argentine press. Because the assumption in the rest of the world was, well, how is he not going to just say yes to all of that money from Saudi Arabia? Um, when that was the first day that that was reported, we were hearing stuff here from some some journalists who obviously are quite connected with his family and stuff who were saying, yeah, he's not really into that idea, to be honest. He's going to be Barcelona or into Miami. Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter how much money they threw him. He was never going to Saudi Arabia. Like, I think from the start, we all knew Inter was a very plausible option. You know, we all know how, how much Messi loves Miami because he's Argentine and has money. Mm. Um, so it's obligatory. Um, obviously, Barcelona was an interesting option but it soon became very clear that the club is a joke <laughs> uh, and basically couldn't do even you know a free transfer on minimum wage without having to sell half of the crap deadwood they brought only last year mm. um, and kind of and Barcelona responded to it which is I don't know if you saw the statement no I've I've heard passing mentions to it. Yeah. Oh no, we understand that Messi. You know, he's he's an old guy. Bless him. He he just needs a a less demanding league with with less pressure. So so it's fine. You know, we made the offer, but but he said no. This was you know half an hour after Messi had done this really really long interview with Catalan media. You know, specifically pointing out no. You know, I never got a formal offer from Barcelona. Like nothing was ever on the table. Yeah. I did have an offer from Europe, but I was only interested in Barcelona. Mm. I mean, you know, technically either of them could be lying, but kind of just thinking about it, you know, who's got the most to gain, who had the most to lose by lying. You you kind of tend towards Barca, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And plus, I mean, I, I I think it makes complete sense to. It, it's easy to forget that. Um, 
football as a people um, and if, if you're not too you know you, you don't need to worry about the money because mm. you're Lionel Messi and you're richer than God already anyway um, I, I think that yeah there's absolutely some degree to which I'm sure just on an emotional level it would have been nice to go back to Barcelona mm. as I said a week or two ago right he never really he never got to play his last match for Barcelona knowing that it was his last match for Barcelona no. and say never got that goodbye match or anything because of the circumstances yeah. uh, in which he left um, and so I think it makes total sense for him to say yeah well, if I was going to stay in Europe it was going to be Barcelona and if Barcelona yeah. couldn't make the contract offer work mm. then then I didn't want to remain in, in Europe yeah um, I think I get the sense that. Um, that just more than anything what Messi wanted to avoid was you know another transfer window another window just getting fucked around mm. um, he's talked a lot about you know and uh, having to move to Paris on, on what a week's notice right at the end of the transfer window in 2021 couldn't find a house had to live out of a hotel you know with his wife and three kids kids couldn't find a school and to go for all of that while also you know expecting to be uh, pretty much a football god at this new club mm. um, and he just didn't want anything to do with that so it seems like you know he saw exactly what was happening at Barca it was going to be another case of weeks and months and then oh maybe we have the money for him mm, but maybe we don't oh, but if he takes this if we do that you know which could ultimately end up being you know oh no sorry Messi don't have the salary yeah. can't take you and then you know probably wouldn't be able to get the Miami move at that point because the MLS season will be all but over so you just said fuck it I'm not getting messed around I'm going to Miami I'm going to sit on the beach for a uh, for a few weeks and then maybe do a bit of training maybe play again and also I, I will say as well that while the Barcelona um, statement that you've just outlined sounds fantastically and entertainingly petty and bad tempered mm. some of it is stuff that Messi himself kind of said in, as well in, in different words I mean he did say I still want to do things right I, I still want to mm. win matches and try to play well but it's going to be nice to live somewhere with a little bit less pressure mm. um, you know he's, he's going to be able to Possibly, I mean, possibly not in a, a city as full of Latin Americans as Miami is, but you know, he'll, he'll be able to walk around, and not every single person will know who he is. Yeah, I, I feel like he's um, going to be in a bit of a more relaxed atmosphere than, yeah, than Barcelona just, or Paris. And so. the football's going to be far less high stakes. Um, yeah, and yeah. one of the things that you know we've commented on in the last couple of years is that seeing him play for a club that he demonstrably doesn't really give a shit about uh, has really helped him focus on the national team not that he wasn't focused on them before but it's almost it, it's really maximised the degree to which um, Argentina has become his happy place mm -hmm. um, and obviously to an extent I guess there's a bit of confirmation bias in that because in fact the Copa America win came while he was still a Barcelona player um, mm. so you know the Really, I'm just using it as another excuse to poke fun at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, but there's also, you know, like we, we, we saw it during the international breaks after he signed for PSG, um, that he seemed to be much more relaxed there. And that was the kind of line that the journalists who were employed to just follow him around and cover him every day, which, whichever continent he happens to be mm. on that day. Um, that was the line that they all seemed to be uh, pushing as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's not going to be interesting to see his matches because down here it's going to be very difficult to watch his matches because apparently you have to own an Apple device to be able to take out an Apple TV Plus subscription and they've oh, really? got all the MLS streaming rights. 
I thought there were there were MLS games I, on I, ESPN. I could have sworn I saw some on Star Plus, but apparently yeah. Apple TV Plus have got all the rights this year. So I, I must have. I feel like something's going to happen to um, to get them uh, available for Latin uh, America. There should be Champions League, Concacaf Champions League stuff on, mm. and inevitably today I've seen some tweets suggesting that next year Conmebol might decide to invite MLS teams into the Libertadores, which. Now, on the one hand, tremendous entertainment, <laughs> albeit with the logistical problems that I've mentioned many, many times when we've had that question asked on the podcast in the last 12 and a half years. Uh, but also, when I read that, the first thing I thought was, guys, that looks so desperate. <laughs> it looks so much like, oh, please pay attention to me. <laughs> like, But if it allows us to see, even once, Messi play the Libertadores... I think I could forgive them just their <laughs> brazen grubbing because it would be fantastic. Like, mm. it really would be fantastic. Right. Into Miami against Racing in a cylinder. Yeah, um, they'd have to qualify for it first, man, though, because from what I've read, they're not in a particularly strong position at the moment. You're talking about Racing or Inter? Very self deprecating of you. Um, just realistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I get the feeling they're quite shit. Trying to find this now, but unsurprisingly, I don't have MLS as one of my pinned leagues on SofaScore, so I'm going to scroll quite some. That's going to have to change, sir. Yeah, well, yes, actually, it literally is now, isn't it? So let's um, <laughs> let's do that right now. How do I let's follow follow MLS? Um, let's see. They are. I think I read they were ninth. They fifteenth conference. They are, which is last. Oh, good grief! Fifteenth in the Eastern Conference. Yes. But oh, only six points. Six points off ninth off the is what I read, and, yes. and ninth is their bottom playoff spot. So they could still do it. No idea how many matches are played, mind you. Yeah. I mean, that's what comes of having Phil Never as your coach, I guess. As he was, I think, up until fairly recently. Uh, apparently, Gerardo Martino is going to be the the next one brought in, especially for Messi. Because <laughs> that worked so well for Barcelona when they did that. Allegedly, I mean, I between it, it, Martino it and Phil Neville, um, definitely. And it, it, as as I did say yeah. at the time as well, it, a lot of that was just the Catalan press being awful to Martino mm. while he was embarking on a club record unbeaten run at the beginning. And of Martino um, has MLS uh, pedigree, of course. Of course he he led Atlanta United to um, oh, not Florida, sorry, Florida. <laughs> Atlanta United. He it's led the to. He led to the title, I think, in their second season in existence. Mm. And I don't know if this is into second or third season, but somewhere along those lines. Indeed. How many games are there left? Loads. Uh, oh, loads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do we have a time, kind of a timeline for Messi starting to play? I assume it's going to be I saw, a way down the line. I saw a headline saying his debut could be a, uh, I guess, a CONCACAF Champions League game, because it was against a Mexican side. Huh? Um, but I can't remember which Mexican side there used to be a Chivas side in MLS it wasn't that no. they don't exist anymore apparently no it wasn't uh, but oh the CONCACAF Champions League final has happened so hmm. I can see that MLS takes a month break uh, mid-July so possibly when they reconvene mid-August to kind of keep him on that European schedule to play the last 11, 12 matches, would that be feasible? 
Maybe. I mean, at the moment, he's still PSG, right? He can't actually leave until his contract's up. Until June 30th, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that's probably likely, isn't it? Ah, they're playing Cruz Azul in something called the League's Cup. That was the match that I saw touted as his debut. That's on the 21st of July. Um, so, between now and then, Inter Miami have one, two, three, four, five, six MLS matches. Um, so, I guess it wouldn't be entirely surprising if he made his debut a little bit earlier than that. But, yeah, they're at home to Cruz Azul in League's Cup Group South Three. Leagues Cup Group South Three. Yep, the Leagues That's a mouthful. Leagues Cup is something between Leagues. It looks to me like it's just MLS and um, Liga MX. I can't see any non American, Canadian or um, Mexican teams in there. Fair oh Massatman. They're Guatemalan, aren't they? Aren't they? Or have I just said something wrong? Oh no, they're Mexican. Oh, okay, right. No, in that case. Yeah, no, it looks like just MLS versus um, Liga Americas. We're going to have to get up to date on all this stuff. We're going yes. To find out how North American football works. Mm. What does a North American football look like? How many minutes do they play? How can you tell when one is knocking on your door? We're going to have to uh, do a lot of research into that strange continent that nobody really knows anything about. No. Um, Very exotic. If, yeah, indeed. Um, and, you know, in some ways, perhaps a little bit more fun than playing for a sports washing outfit yes definitely a little bit more um, enticing because uh, luckily you know Miami as a city has never had any connections kind of with misdeeds or money laundering no. trafficking that kind of thing just uh, really really um, avoiding that kind of those pitfalls In, yes and you know also we, we get the uh Pleasure of finally seeing Messi make a move to play some club football in front of his adoring Argentine fans. Absolutely, yeah. That's a joke about the number of Argentines yeah. in Miami for you there. Um, I mean, it's the closest he can come to playing in South America without actually having to go to South America. And it's also probably the closest that he was likely to go to come to actually playing in Argentina. Realistically before as well, but especially since the whole... Uh, drug gang mm. shooting up his indoor supermarket thing in December or something, which I think yes. probably put paid to any slim hopes that Newell's had <laughs> of one day signing him. Uh, because it's clear that the city just wouldn't be a safe place for him to live day in, day out. Plus, by the look of the mock-ups, he looks really good in that pink. Okay. I have not seen the mock-ups. I'm not... Uh... Uh, well, you know, Inter's kit is like a Paloma yes. pink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically just photos which have stuck Messi's head Not on too similar to the t-shirt you wear today. I mean, this is more salmon, but um, I do have a couple of pink t-shirts, but not that kind of really light baby pink. Hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'm sure you can find uh, an inter Messi 10 shirt somewhere in Buenos Aires already. Some market yes. still. So I might have to go, it won't take very long. I might have to go venturing out and see if I can find it. I don't think I'll get one because it's, it's a colour I like, but it's not a colour that really works against my rather pasty skin. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of makes you transparent. Really but... Washed out in it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's I, it's going to be a shame not to see him in Europe anymore. It, it's yeah. going to be a shame not to see him try to, I'm guessing, reclaim, because I think it's still with Ronaldo at the moment, the, the Champions League goal-scoring record, and then extend it long into the future. As we yeah, but I think if anything's future. become clear with Messi, it's just those... Individual records, they're nice, but they don't yeah. motivate him in the same way 
they have Ronaldo for so so many years. Um, I would you know personally I would have loved to see him play a couple more years in Europe. I think there's no doubt he still has the talent to do it. He when he's feeling good and I think even this year when um, you know playing in a pretty uninspiring PSG team, which I don't know how many games you actually watched, but even in those kind of three four nil victories they wrapped up every week. They were pretty shit to watch, like just so dysfunctional as a team and just not coming together. And he still kind of put up very, very good numbers, uh, over 30 goals and assists or whatever it was. Um, if you'd had him in, in a team that actually worked, um, it could be really interesting. Yeah. But, um, you know, if Messi's happy, I guess I'm happy. And if it means we get to see him in another World Cup, which I honestly thought there was no chance of <laughs> right after he lifted the cup in December, but now maybe a little bit more. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, taking a lower risk, lower pressure yeah. career to prolong your international career. And he doesn't strike me as someone who's going to be affected by the lower competition because he just basically chooses when to turn it on, right? Like hmm. he's, he's just got it. Exactly, yeah. Um, no, I'd, I'd agree. Like, if he was younger and at a more developmental stage of his career then you would think yeah. oh, you know is he going to be able to, to keep that whatever it is that he's got but uh, he's had it for such a long time that yeah. and, and he's demonstrated so many times that he is so great um, and it's just muscle so memory isn't it like he's not going to exactly. lose it exactly um, so yeah there we go it's going to be fun and it's going to be interesting and we're looking forward to um Discussing it occasionally. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, this is now the point where I would normally say, moving on to uh, listeners' questions, but we have had no listeners' questions. So, Mystic Sam will be coming up right after this. Music. So, our listeners trying to pretend they've got something better to do on a Friday night. Yeah. I'm not buying it. No. You can pretend, but we know the truth. This weekend we have uh, we've already started because Barracas Central and Rosario Central drew nil nil in the one of the Clásicos Centralenses earlier on this afternoon. For some reason that kicked off at half past three and there are no other matches until eight o'clock. We're not sure why, uh, but the match that is on at eight o'clock is Independiente versus Sarmiento de Junín, and I think that will be a draw. Atletico Tucumán versus Godoy Cruz is scheduled for 9.30 tonight, but according to this, it's postponed. Oh. Any ideas? Um, let me investigate. I'm sure that this was showing as normally scheduled when we started recording, so I don't know whether something's happened while we've been talking. I mean, it's Tucumán, anything can happen at <laughs> any time. Anyway. Uh, while Dan investigates, I'll carry on with the predictions. Platense versus Tigre, I think will be a Tigre win. Boca versus Lanús, I think will be a Boca win. Tacheres versus Arsenal is a Tacheres win. I think that Newells will. Oh, I'm going to go for Union to keep the good form going recently. I think Newells and Union will be a draw. San Lorenzo to beat Central Cordoba. Banfield and River um, should be a River win. Instituto versus Racing, I'll go for a Racing win. Venice versus Argentinos will be an Argentinos win. 
Defense. There are lots of wins this week. I'm not, uh, not seeing many draws. Defense of Odysseus will, I think, beat Belgrano. Uh, Colón and Estudiantes to draw. Gimnasia and Huracán to draw. There we go, there are some draws. And Atletico Tucumán uh, versus Godoy Cruz. Oh, it's been rescheduled for the. What's that, Monday, 13th? past eight. Um, what's that? Yes, I found out the reason. It was actually done a few days ago. Um, okay. This weekend, there are provincial elections in Tucumán. And in Tucumán, the Veda Electoral, kind of the uh, anti-fun okay. yeah. anti police before elections, starts Friday morning at 8 a.m. Uh -huh. And you can't hold any mass events, including sporting events, during that time. So they still scheduled the match knowing that this was happening. Because um, the elections were supposed to be about a month ago. Oh, okay. But they got postponed by the Supreme Court. Right. There's always a postponement somewhere in the line. Yes. Anyway, the 13th is Tuesday. Uh, that's when Atletico Tucumán hosts Godoy Cruz, and I think it will be an Atletico Tucumán win. There we go. I don't know why I'm predicting that, because uh, they're not very good. But that's what I've just said, so now I've got to stick with it. Indeed. Even though I actually... I'm now thinking that it's probably going to be a Godoy Cruz win, just looking at the standings. Um, there we go. Mm -hmm. Best matches this weekend? Probably Banfield River and... Um, uh, let me just remember not what there are. Uh, yeah, it doesn't jump out okay. as an enticing weekend. Um, let's see. Boca Lanús? Mm. It's going to depend what... Side of the bed, yeah. I get up on that morning. Otherwise, yeah, lots of kind of top V, bottom or middle V, bottom matches. News mm. Union, I guess, if Union can can keep up that um, yeah that record. Um, it kind of makes me wonder whether they'd be better off looking at the dates that you know the European leagues are all going to be finishing, and then scheduling their round of matches for the week after that to be like a really good round to try and get some interest. You can have a go. I guess. It's difficult when it's halfway through the season and you've got a league that's as difficult to predict who's going to be decent this year Yes. Uh, as this one, but who knows. Um, anyway, that's it. This did turn into a full-length episode because this second half was much longer than the first. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much indeed for sticking with us and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And me, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>